This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Today is June 25th, 2007, and you're listening to episode number 38 of the Taylor Merrick Podcast, sponsored by GoToMyPC. Today you'll learn how to save us a budget, should I rebrand my company, and what is the most secure operating system. Welcome to the Taylor Merrick Podcast, the three-in-one podcast on finances, business, and technology. Podcasting to you from the studios of TaylorMerrick.com, located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Here's your host, Taylor Merrick. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Taylor Merrick Podcast. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Welcome if you are a new listener. Got a whole bunch of stuff to give out before the show begins. First off, if you have any questions, comments, ideas at any time, you can call our toll-free number. 1-866-TMP-2860 and if you don't have an mp3 player or if you aren't around one or a computer but you want to listen to the podcast simply dial 1-831-480-3979 and the latest episode in the Taylor Merrick podcast will be played to you right over the phone also join in the conversation at the Taylor Merrick podcast forums don't forget about the Taylor Merrick Podcast College Fund. We've had two listeners contribute already, and thank you to those who have contributed. And for those of you who don't know, I'm going for business administration, and anything that I learn, I would pass on to you guys. But first things first, you have to help me get there. So any donation at all would be greatly appreciated. And you can go to the Taylor Merrick Podcast website at www.taylormerrick.com for full details and to donate. I've created a new podcast directory. I made an announcement of this last week and now it's official. I have a new podcast directory. It's called the Financial Podcast Directory and you can find that at financialpodcastdirectory.com. 
Now, you might not see much right now as it's a WordPress.com blog and a Ning and a Google email group, but as time goes on and it grows, I'm planning on changing it over into a fully podcast directory type thing, sort of like how you see on Blueberry Podcast, Pickle, and other places. So if you're a financial podcaster, or if you know of a financial podcaster, encourage them to join over at www.financialpodcastdirectory.com. Also, I would encourage you to go out there to podcastready.com. Here's a special promo code you can get when you sign up. Use this promo code, TMP18. That's the letter T, the letter M, the letter P, 18. Use it as your promo code. Or if you're on Podcast Ready already, log into your account information settings and there's a promo code there for filling out your profile and you can change that to TMP18. That would be greatly appreciated as you will get special content there and actually they're one of the only type podcast directory that has a my potter uh podcatching software that is actually nicely updated so you can join in there it'd be great benefit all around for you especially listener now for today's episode episode number 38 sponsored by go to my pc you learn how to save with a budget for business you learn should i rebrand my company and for technology, you'll learn what is the most secure operating system. You're traveling along on your business trip, minding your own business, obviously, when all of a sudden, you realize something. You forgot your presentation you were going to show during your business meeting. And you, you have your laptop with you, and you remember you forgot your presentation file. It's on your office PC that's at the office. What are you going to do? Well, I have a solution for you. Instead of going and syncing up your laptop and transferring files and having files emailed to you and such, here is a new revolutionary process. It's called Go to My PC. It's Go to My PC. You have instant access to your computer from anywhere. The only thing you have to do is have your computer on and connected to the internet and you can access your computer from anywhere. You could be in China and you can access your file like you were there at home. Try go to my PC free with unlimited access for 30 days. Just go to go to my pc.com forward slash podcast. That's go to my pc.com forward slash podcast podcast. Try go to my PC today and see the results for yourself. I'm Steve Mullen, host of Startup Bizcast. Join me for small business advice provided by entrepreneurs and owners of small businesses and startups. It's must listening for business owners. Startup Bizcast at www.startupbizcast.com. And now on to the show content. Today in finances is saving with a budget. Now, this is something that you should do. 
personal savings have reached record lows, yet saving is essential to ensure a comfortable future. And you should learn how to track monthly expenses with a budget and potentially free up cash for saving. And that's always helpful with the budget. <laughs> Plan on yelling at me about this that, no, I thought we were supposed to borrow and, you know, use credit. And no, I'm, I'm talking, how else do you expect to be able to get into stocks and real estate without first building up some money in order to invest with. I recommend using your job or getting a second job or some other way you can start creating some income that you can set aside for investing purposes. That will go a lot farther instead of just deciding to borrow a whole bunch of money to get into the stock market <laughs> or even into real estate. You want to at least have some equity. You want to be able to pay some of it. Now, if you can find out a way to get real estate without having to pay anything and it's not eating you, good job. But even still, you should be saving for your investment. Now, you should put savings first with a budget. I know you're always wondering where did that money go? And America is in the midst of a savings crisis. Personal savings rates have dropped in recent years and remain low by historical standards. And you want to know why? It is because people keep borrowing and keep putting stuff on their credit cards and keep having to pay it off and thus eating up their savings. They have absolutely no money to put in savings because it's all being used to pay off debt. Bad debt, by the way. Now, if you're among those Americans who can't seem to save, it might be time to create a budget. Now, a budget allows you to understand where the money goes and can help you free up cash for the important savings goals and for college, retirement, for investing, anything. Now, getting started with setting up a budget will require some work, but the benefits outweigh the time invested. Now, how you create your budget is up to you. You can use a piece of financial planning software such as Microsoft Money or Quicken, or you can use the paper and pencil route. And the first element is your income or how much money you make each month. Now, this can include paychecks, legal settlements, alimony royalties, fees, dividends, uh, any way you, uh, any other way you get income. Now, once you know what your monthly income is, you can use a budget to make sure you don't spend more than you earn, thus helping you reduce debt and free up cash for savings. Now, you need to know how you spend your money, and you can start by tracking your spending for one month. Gather your bills, receipts, and don't forget to include newspapers from the corner store and trips to the soda machine or to Starbucks or to get a, a bagel or ice cream. Write all of them down. Write all your expenses down wherever your money goes. And that don't assume any expense is too small to record. Now write them down and break them into categories. And you can put fixed committed expenses 
category and you could put mortgage loan insurance payments in there other committed expenses could be things you can't live without like food and clothing and discretionary expenses things you like but don't necessarily need and such now less spending obviously equals more savings and once you know where the money goes it's time to analyze your expenses there probably isn't much you can do about fixed committed expenses without moving or getting rid of the family car and the same thing with other committed expenses such as food <laughs> also you can fast but you know it's not really a good thing if you need the energy and you need the food for some health reasons you may find some room to save in other committed expenses but you should mainly look at discretionary expenses first and it's typically the easiest place to reduce spending begin by canceling magazine subscriptions to titles you don't read eat fewer meals out or choose less expensive restaurants across much of the country you can rent two dvds for the price of a single adult ticket to a movie and throw on some microwave popcorn for a dollar more and then you can dig deeper. Once you've reduced your discretionary spending, time to look at other committed expenses. Can you reduce the grocery bill with coupons or more economical meals? How about taking public transportation instead of a cab? And another area is to examine credit card debt. If a high balance is keeping you from saving, you need to find ways to trim those monthly payments. And I'll be talking more about that in a future episode, or you can look around. There are plenty of ways that you can trim that, too. And you could also consider a home equity loan, which may offer a tax deduction, but I wouldn't recommend going that route for helping with your credit card. Now, if your savings are still being crushed under the weight of debt, or if you're having trouble making minimum monthly payments and covering necessary expenses, you should get them some help, and you can contact the National Federation for Credit Counseling or other places if you want or you can talk to me about it. I could be glad to help you out of that and of course obviously once you start paying off your credit cards the extra money can be used to build savings. Oh the goal is more savings. Once you figure out where to economize you can enter amounts in the expected column of the budget. Notice that savings and children's education appear under fixed committed expenses also. This is encourage you to pay yourself first. A key rule to savings. There's even a book written about it. Pay yourself first. By setting aside a certain amount each month for savings, you can build toward your goal without missing the money. And you may be able to set up a payroll savings plan through your bank or credit union. Also look into employer-sponsored retirement plans you may have at work, which can potentially offer tax benefits along with savings for the future. Might also help that the savings goal both for short and long term. Studies have revealed that families with savings goals tend to save more. Now remember that your budget is a living document. As circumstances change, so will your goals and needs. Now review your budget every few months to make sure it reflects your goals and to see if you are saving as much as you possibly can. Now if you have any further questions on this, a link to this article will be in the show notes. If you have any further questions or if you want to give your two cents on this topic, call 1-866-TMP-2860. I also have a capability for you to talk and record a message on a taylormerrick.com website with your microphone plugged in. And I'll wrap it up for finances. We'll be right back with business. 
This show is a proud member of the Financial Podcast Directory. You can find this and other financial-related podcasts dealing with your personal finance at financialpodcastdirectory.com. You're listening to the Taylor Merrick Podcast, a proud member of podcasterwhoswho.com, the who's who of podcasting. As for business is should I rebrand my company? Now, of course, the answer to that will be it depends. Now, there are times when rebranding is crucial and times when it's nothing short of perilous. And this article is from John Williams. Link to it will be in the show notes. He says that the makeover business is booming and not just in TV. Today's image-conscious society, everything is judged first by how it looks. Unfortunately, now rebranding has become an security jour for everything from sluggish sales to increased competition and outdated products. So how well do you make do these makeovers work? Now remember, branding should be a reflection of your company, not just a projection of what you want it to be. You must ensure that the customer experience equals the expectation or no amount of revamping will work, at least in the long run. Remember that, that's a very crucial, important key to remember. Now, before you rebrand, there really does need to be something different about your business, product, or service, unless, of course, your image never accurately reflected your company to begin with. Now, you should also keep in mind that the more dramatically you change your brand, the more likely you'll lose your current customers. Remember that. Number one, customer experience equals expectation, or no amount of rebranding will work. And also that if you rebrand, more likely you'll lose your current customers. Now, this may be an unpleasant fact, but it's an unavoidable one. For example, if you attract price-sensitive consumers and you change your brand to appeal to upscale trendsetters, well, obviously you know what happens. Your price-sensitive customers are going to run for the hills. Do you care? No, you don't care if you can keep your brand promised to your new, more upscale customers. But if you can't keep this promise, you shouldn't have tried to cast a wider image net by rebranding. Now, you can't simply be all things to all people. That's one thing I've learned. You can't please everybody. You can't be everything to everybody. And that's why established companies with market share should always consider adopting their brand before starting from scratch. Now, if you're just first starting out and you're like, oh, I didn't do that right, and it's like a day after you filed the papers and whatever, it's like, oh, man, I have to go fix it, and, you know, rebranding will be fine. But if you're established, then that'll be more of a problem. Now, there's value in your name and image, even if you're tired of it personally. Is your look out of date? Well, update it by keeping key design elements that still work while shedding those that you don't. Keep your name or alter it only slightly. The key is to bring your look current without losing its original appeal and thus customers. Perhaps a more common problem is a small business whose image never truly reflected its brand in the first place. Poor quality logo or clunky website does damage to any company, regardless of size. (sighs) I cannot overemphasize this too much. (laughs) Get a professionally designed website. You do not know how much your website has an effect on your company, on your business. People look at that website 
And that's how they expect the business to look, feel, and operate. And that is the exact thing I have behind my website, Design Company eWeb Computers. That is a website that's supposed to fit your business, your company. Now, as for Microsoft, if you go to Microsoft.com, you go to our website, and you get a feel for that company, and then for Microsoft, and then if you actually to walk into Microsoft headquarters itself, you should expect the same type of feeling. Now, does your image as projected by your sales materials reflect your product, your mission, and your values? With your image, it should. Branding is about using mind share to influence market share. But if your promise doesn't match your product, it'll be all for naught. Now, another valid time to consider a brand makeover is if your company is headed in a new direction, either due to technology, industry trend, market change, a new product launch. If you decide on a ground floor makeover, work from a sound strategy based on facts related to sales and profits, not fatigue related to marketing consistency. Now, rebranding has to be done carefully and comprehensively. Ideally, you should change everything at once. That means redo your logo and name if necessary, brand standards, and apply them to all your sales tools from your business card and website to your signage and brochures. Now, of course, this can be expensive and requires some cost-risk analysis. If you can only afford to change one thing at a time, focus on your customer's typical first point of contact. For example, a retail business might consider signage and or ad in the phone book, while a business-to-business firm might concentrate on its website. Although I would say if you have website, website should be first thing. Now, if you change the name of your business, know that it's rarely a good idea to substitute the name of one of your products for your company, even when your product is well-known within your industry. Doing so can be self-limiting, making it difficult for you to keep pace with future industry changes. Now, branding is an option today. Your business will be perceived in a certain matter, either by default or design. You choose. Reinventing your business time and time again isn't a good idea, but adapting to changing consumer needs and industry direction is crucial. Now, we take control of strategic, relevant rebranding that differentiates you from the competition. Now, that was John Williams, and he is Entrepreneur.com's image and branding columnist, and he's the founder and president of LogoYes.com, the world's first do-it-yourself logo design website. And I've actually went over to LogoYes.com, and it's quite interesting. You can create your own logo. And... I actually liked it. I played around with it a little bit. I thought it was pretty cool, and I was just playing with the free version. Just think what you can get with the paid version. Thank you, John Williams, for that article. Link to that will be in the show notes. Now, if you have any questions on this, or if you want to get up on a soapbox and say something about it, call 1-866-TMP-2860. Just keep your soapbox speech under five minutes make it short and to the point and that will wrap it up for business this podcast is part of the blueberry network you can find this and other fine podcast at blueberry.com that's blueberry without the e's This podcast is proudly listed at the best podcasting directory on the internet, podcastpickle.com. We now return you to your regularly scheduled download, already in progress.
This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. You can find this and other tech-related podcasts at techpodcast.com. Now as for technology, what is the most secure operating system? Well, according to Jeremy Reamer, uh, June 24th, 2007 at ArsTechnica.com, Vista is the most secure OS, according to researchers. Now, Jeffrey R. Jones, the self-described security guy who works at Microsoft Security Division, has published his latest report, and it might have a bit of a bias, but he compared the number of fixed and unfixed vulnerabilities of various operating systems, including Windows Vista, Windows XP, Red Hat Enterprise Linux 4 Workstation, Ubuntu Linux 6.0.6 LTS, Novell, SUSE, Linux Enterprise Desktop 10, and Mac OS 10.4. Now, the report looked at the number of known vulnerabilities, both patched and unpatched, that existed in each operating system six months after it was released. And this report is a follow-up to Jones' earlier report that looked at the same operating systems three months after each shipped. Now, the numbers show that Windows Vista has the lowest number of vulnerabilities in both three- and six-month time frames, with Windows XP, somewhat surprisingly, coming in second place. Now, Mac OS X was in third, with the various Linux distributions having significantly more vulnerabilities. Now, as for looking at it, vulnerabilities in the first 90 days, looking at the graphic, well, Windows Vista had maybe 10, under 10, and Windows XP had about 20, 25, Red Hat, Linux had about 210, Ubuntu had about 100, Novell, SUSE had about 120, and Mac OS 10.4 had about 40, give or take. Now it's in the first 180 days. Well, Windows Vista obviously upped it closer to now 25. Windows XP is now about uh, close to 50. Mac OS 10 has jumped up to about 75. And then comes Ubuntu at 160 Novell Sus at closing in on 200 and by far the highest vulnerability is Red Hat Linux at 360 now critics of similar studies carried out in the past have pointed out that a typical Linux distribution contains significantly more software than what is provided with standard Windows or Mac OS X install and Jones did make an effort to account for this in his calculations. Now, he excluded any component that was not installed by default, which included all optional server components, and also excluded Thunderbird, the GIMP, and OpenOffice.org from the final tallies. Now, while it might be easy to dismiss a report from any OS company that puts its own product in the most favored light as being biased, it is important to remember that the data source from which Jones has made his graphs is based on publicly available information from the National Institute of Standards, which keeps track of software vulnerabilities in a national vulnerability database. Now, however, a valid criticism of the study is 
that it only looks at the total number of vulnerabilities found in an operating system, which is not a complete assessment of how secure one OS is over another. None of the listed operating systems, even when fully patched, can prevent the deliberate installation of malware disguised as useful software by an end user, which is the attack vector most commonly used by attackers today. Also, the number of malware programs written to exploit each vulnerability has a large impact in the safety of using one operating system over the other, even if it isn't technically a measure of how secure it is. Now, in addition, the study also does not take into consideration architectural changes between operating systems and new versions of third-party software, such as the feature of Internet Explorer 7 on Windows Vista that runs web browser in low-rights mode, and what the study really shows is how well Microsoft does today in rewriting writing secure code when compared to other pro software companies. Now, given the concerted effort that took place at Microsoft to educate its programmers about the dangers of insecure programming practices around the time of Windows XP Service Pack 2, this is not too surprising a result at this early stage. Uh, if you have any questions or if you want to comment in on this, call one 866 TMP 2860, leave your name. Please promote your podcast if you have it and leave your message under five minutes. I'll be glad to play it on the show. Now that will wrap it up for technology. Thanks for listening to this episode in the Taylor Merrick Podcast. Show notes for this episode and past episodes can be found by going to taylormerrick.com. If you have any questions, comments, ideas at any time, please call one 866 TMP 2860. Don't forget to join in the conversation at the Taylor Merrick Podcast forums. I'm Taylor Merrick, and I will see you next week. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.